Good morning. It's good to see you all again. Let's say in the last three days, I think I traveled further than anybody to get to church this morning. That's true. Well, that's true. I take that back. I take that back. Mom joins me in that. So, well, it is good to be back here with y'all. Um, we most certainly had a blessed trip. We uh, just got back yesterday afternoon from. Uh, our mission trip to Kisi, Kenya, um, where we have gone now four consecutive times uh, on a kind of joint uh, gospel, water, and medical mission um, that we have been blessed uh, to do with Sweetwater Outreach for the last four years. Um, it, it, it really was, again, every, every year that I go, every time that I go, it's always... Um, interesting and enlightening and uh and humbling in, in in all that we do the first time i started doing this was by myself um with sweetwater four four years ago uh and i had kind of contacted a nurse that runs a rural health clinic um in the area of nyachenga um in 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 kisi and the very first day I came and I was just anticipating, you know, watching her, seeing what she did, you know, kind of getting an idea of, of how things went. And I watched her show me to a chair and sit me down. And then I watched some 60 or 70 people later uh, as the as the last patient was leaving um, that I had seen, uh, you know, 50 to 60 patients in about uh, five or six hours. Um, and that was my first experience with uh, with with my the, the the medical mission work that I was doing there. Uh, since that time, Mary uh, Garetti is the is the nurse there has been with us every year and kind of been one of the lead uh, participants in this hall. Um, it amazes me to see how she, by uh, God's grace and calling, has taken her gifts that God has given her. Um, and, and grown that ministry, uh, into what it is. Um, she is a rural health nurse that runs her own clinic, um, in an area that again, like when I say rural health, it, it's, it's far beyond anything that you can imagine around here. Okay. Um, she operates a clinic that part of it is out of a connex. It's been retrofitted. Okay. Uh, she doesn't have really electricity during most of the day and, and the week. Um, she does all this based off of her compassion and love for her people uh, in that area. Um, and God has blessed her. It has grown substantially. We helped her as a, uh, as a group um, to get some lab equipment and things that she has then used. Uh, she has a vision, as she tells me every year, she has a vision for the next thing. What else she can do? She's always imagining what other things she can add to her clinic to grow it for the sheer purpose of just being a resource that is not readily available in that area. Um, it's, it's an amazing testimony. And so she was with us again this year uh, as we conducted our um, medical mission which was uh, kind of the largest that we have done so far. Um, we were able to take a total of 19 people with us, um, one of which was a brother, uh, Dominic um, uh, Sudima from 
um, from Sierra Leone that we had reached out to. Uh, he's a young um, minister who uh, has been working in the medical field in, in Sierra Leone, and he wanted to come and see what we did. And John Blevins and Austin Waters are actually in Sierra Leone right now. They'll be coming back at the end of this week um, for kind of the first foray that we've ever gotten into with Sierra Leone. Um, and hopefully that will uh, grow according uh, to the Lord's will as well. Um, but 19 people uh, is kind of the largest group we've ever taken. Um, lots of nurses, lots of uh, people just wanting to help and join us. Um, we were able to see over a thousand patients um, at three different clinic locations again. Last year, that was we were kind of up to a thousand. This year, we did exceed that. Um, several clinics, we had more than five or six or seven hundred. One clinic was eight hundred uh, before the end of the day actually signed up. We unfortunately didn't get to see all of them, but we were able to see a large majority of them. So, well over a thousand patients that we were able to see in a three-day period, um, which you know may. I don't know. It may sound like a lot. A lot. It may not sound like a lot, but I can tell you, it felt like a lot um, for sure. Uh, it's a lot of patients with a lot of the similar complaints. And the amazing thing is, is that we didn't bring any grand life-saving medical attention to this place. We didn't cure um, any of their diseases. Um, we did not reverse their poverty. Uh, we did not. Um, we, we did not change the fact that they are still living in an area with a socioeconomical status that is far less than really even the poorest person in America could even have fathomed, okay? Um, in an area that though their poverty could be on the same scale as people in America, um, as much as we want to gripe about it and complain about it, we ha are blessed in this country with the social safety nets that we have. Okay, so you can you can complain about it all you want to, but Medicaid, Medicare, disability, Social Security, those kind of things that we have in our country, those kind of things that we have in our country, set us apart from other countries that are impoverished. Because whereas we have poverty here, and we will always have poverty here, we have means by the blessings of the economic status that we have been blessed with to take care of those people. In other countries that suffer from the same kind of poverty, that net is not there. So they have nothing to rely on. So they live in poverty every day, they suffer in poverty every day, and their access to things is just diminished. And that would make us feel really, really poorly for them, and in many ways we do. In many ways you can see the poverty and the despair and the hopelessness that can exist in those situations. And you can go, man, that is a horrible situation and something that will cause you to weep and to mourn. However, those people in general have more hope, more happiness, more satisfaction than we do with all of our stuff. In being stripped from all the material goofiness that we feel is so necessary. They're able to just enjoy what they have. And we're having this discussion at the end of our trip with a brother who 
you know, we went, we stayed in, in Kesey where we normally stay at a hotel that, you know, it's, it's a hotel in name and in kind of design, okay? Uh, it's definitely not anything that's over the top, and there's um, nothing fancy about it, but it is an enclosed area with a ceiling, you know, that is protected, and you're out of the elements, and it is fairly cool, and, you know, so, I mean, it is an area where you got a bed, and you can lay your head down, and you can be comfortable, but it's not anything like what we stayed in when we were coming home. <laughs> so on our way back out, we stayed in Nairobi at the Hilton, okay? And it's, it's hilarious the contrast that you have in those two, you know? You have one area that is low on the, on the totem pole, I guess you would say, of scale and size and grandeur. And you would say, oh man, you know, th this, if this is all there was, you know, how... You know, and then you move off and you go into this area in Nairobi in a more higher economical status in a Hilton where you've got all the normal stuff that you'd see in a Hilton. And you go, man, this is a night and day contrast. We literally flew from one side of the country to the other and we have changed societies almost. Okay, And we took with us Brother Martin Anyani and Brother Dominic who were flying out the next morning to go to Sierra Leone. And one of the brothers that was traveling with us was asking, he said, what do you think... Is their comprehension or their attitude towards the fact that they live in the place where we just came from on a day-to-day -day basis. But then when we come to a place like this, like the Hilton, which is kind of what we live in on a day-to-day -day basis. Certain basic levels of amenities and status that, you know, that's just what we come to expect. I mean... Last night I get home and within an hour the power's off and we're lighting candles. I'm like, you know, here we go. We're going back. We just, we're, we're moving backwards, okay? We're moving right back to where we were, you know, where it gets dark and it's like, well, you better just go to bed because there's nothing you can do, you know? But we come to expect those things at just like a basic level. I tell you what, going through some of those airports, I'm like, thank the Lord that at a basic level we have air conditioning that is an expectation, okay, when it's 90 degrees outside. You're sitting in some of those airports going, oh my goodness, like just, just a little bit of something would be blessed. So, you know, you, you look at this kind of level and, and, and this brother was asking, you know, what do you think's their opinion of it? How do you feel about it? How do you think they feel about this? You know, kind of looking at where we were at and now where we are and where we're going to, you know, where we have this expectation, this low level of this is just normal for us. And even going from where we were to the Hilton in Nairobi is not going from like, you know, where we are now to the Ritz. Okay, it's not like you're getting to something that's just way over the top. But it's still, it's, it's, a, it's a palpable difference. It's a, it's a palpable, noticeable difference in the level of, of just the basic level of stuff that you're getting into. And so he was asking, you know, do you think they get, you know, whatever about it? Do you think they have a negative or a positive opinion about it? Do you think they feel ashamed or blessed? Do you think they feel that we are spoiled or we are, you know, whatever? Do you think that, you know, are, are they embarrassed by what we were in? And now are they, you know, I mean, there's just all these things that you do wonder about when you're talking about different cultures, different societies, different statuses. And I told him, I said, in my understanding of it, which again is still an outsider's perspective, even though I do feel like I try really, really, really hard to put aside my predispositions and my cultural kind of conceptions. And I try really, really hard to enter in at a level that is on par with them. Okay? 
um, to, to engage in what is their normal, to engage what is their concepts and their beliefs because they are different from ours. And God never called me to impose my Western ideologies on them, okay? And I said, as far as I can understand and what I can see with this, and the, just the fact that you are going to always have, no matter where you are, you are always going to have people whose normal is different from somebody else's. You're always going to have people whose existence is different than somebody else's. Just culturally, and even in America, the different cultures, from whether you grow up in an Italian family or an African-American family or whatever, your culture, your daily norm and your dynamics of family and everything is just going to be a little bit different. And that's just God's beautiful blessing of diversity. So imagine if we all were just like me. I mean, man, that'd get real boring. It's like being in a package of white bread. It's just like everything looks the same. Everything's the same size, same cut, same everything. Until you get to those end pieces and, you know, who really cares about the end pieces. But you, you look at how boring that would be. Thankfully, God blessed us to be diverse and different. He blessed our cultures and our societies to be diverse and different. That kind of shows the beauty of his creation. You look at how when we were talking about the kingdom of God, we said that the kingdom of God was like that tree that grew. And ultimately it grew to a size from such a small little mustard seed, it grew into this massive tree that all the birds of the air were able to come and lodge within it. Notice he didn't say all the sparrows or all the crows or all the eagles or all the doves. He said all the many diverse different types of birds were able to come and rest and take shelter in it. Even in that picture, he showed us the diversity of his kingdom around the world, made up of all different people, shapes, sizes, cultures, and backgrounds. So when, we, when I was explaining this to him, I was saying, you know, there's always going to be this difference. You're never going to be able to correct that. Even if you came in and you were able to bless all of them with electricity and indoor plumbing and the same, I mean, all this stuff. Let's just say you could one day snap your fingers. They all were equally at a middle class income with all the amenities that we expect. It would still look different. It was so different because it's just, it's a different people. I said, but what is amazing to me and should be extraordinarily humbling to us is that much like Paul, when he said, I have known how to be humbled. I have known how to be exalted. I've known wealth. I've known poverty. I've known abundance and I have known need. He said, in all of these things, I get to come back to one central Theme, which is in whatever state I find myself, I find myself in contentment and glorying Christ, no matter what it is. And so that's why I always, and I've told this to about a dozen people in the last week, the reason why I encourage and push hard on people to go with us to Kenya and to Tanzania and places like that. People will say, well, I'm not a preacher. What do I have to do? I'm not medical. What do I have to do? I said, you have to, your, your gifts, what God has given you, and I promise you we can find somewhere for you to do something. But you should go. You should go because it is vital for you to comprehend the fact that God did not make us all look like this church right here. And to comprehend the level of things that people live in and their lifestyle and their appreciation for what they have. 
not from some kind of wealthy Western self-pity thing, but from a whatsoever state I'm in, I find contentment point of view. So that you can go and see, man, look how God is able to take a nurse in Kesey, Kenya, and fill her with gifts that she is then in turn using for God's glory to be a change, a salt, a light in this little area in the middle of nowhere in Kesey, Kenya. Because when you get to witness those kind of examples and those kind of stories, then, then it should and hopefully would change your own perspective about what you're called to do here in America or wherever you may find yourself living. So I'm all about it. I push people all the time. You need to go. Go, go, go. Make it a mission trip that you decide to do. Make it a high school project. Make it a college, whatever. Whatever little reason, whatever you need to push you out the door, go. Because you need to see it. Otherwise, it's very easy and I think all too common that we get nice and homogenized in our own little cultural bubbles and our own little church bubbles and we don't ever get outside of it and then we just kind of exist in that way. And instead, there's a lot out there that God is doing that, that, that if you see it, as I did, you know, four years ago, it will profoundly change your life and your view of everything else that you see, everything else that you do. So I, I encourage everyone to seek that out. And I thank everyone for uh, your generous support and your prayers as we did this. Um, you know, it is, a, it is a blessing every year. This year we had the most problems that we have ever had. I mean, we had wheels falling off and brake lines going out. And I mean, we had all sorts of fun things. Um, the most interesting thing in the world that you, that again, in, in, and this is, of all the dichotomies, this is the thing that cracks me up the most. You would think that in America with AAA and everything else, that we would be the most well-provisioned for automotive incidents on the road. But I am telling you, there ain't no AAA that can hold a candle to the people in Kesey, Kenya. You can be driving on a dirt road in the middle of nowhere hundreds of miles away from any major city break down and somehow magically a mechanic pops up within two minutes i don't know where they came it's like they hide in the bush and they've got everything they need guys brake line goes out they're fixing it on the side of the road a brake pad locks an entire wheel up and they're taking it up and it's not just on small cars they'll flip 18 wheelers on their sides and fix tra rebuild transmissions on the side of the road okay now i'm just telling you you can't find that anywhere else we had a whole, yeah, yeah, we had a whole bus evacuated and filled up with our stuff in five minutes or less. Literally, a guy flagged him down and said, hey, these guys are going to Kasuma. They need your van. Okay, we'll get out. They got out. We loaded our stuff up and kept on driving, made our, you know, made our flight. I, you, there, you cannot even imagine the things that you see that you're like, wait, this would have been a three-week ordeal in America. We would have had to drag the car into a mechanic shop and it would sat there for two weeks before they ever got this figured out. They'd have been ordering parts from Ford and it would have taken four I mean, all of a sudden this guy walks up. And, uh, anyway, it's always profound. Always enlightening, okay? And I am going to use it for this segue right here. God has blessed each and every one of us with gifts to be used. 
okay? God has blessed each and every one of us with gifts to be used. He did not call you in vain. He did not gift you in vain. And he did not create you the way that he did for you to be useless. He's gifted all of us. And those aren't, and those are spiritual gifts that are not just preaching, okay? Spiritually derived gifts that God has given each and every one of his people that he has born again and filled with the Holy Spirit to be used for the furtherance of his kingdom. And that's what you see. That's what amazes me when you go in places where there's not a lot of trappings and everything else. You see people able to do that. You look at Mary, the nurse, who God blessed to be a nurse, who gave her insight and wisdom and compassion and mercy and a desire to do these things. And praise be to God, she's doing it. And because of that, he's blessing her and he's blessing the area that he has put her in. I mean, this is this goes on all the time, but that's not just some, you know, weird third world phenomenon that's here too and your giftings are not just oh well i've been called as a missionary and therefore i will use my gifts one week out of the year when we do a medical mission trip over to kesey kenya no it's every single day god the same the gifts that he has given me and the desire he has given me to go over to kesey is not something that is just locked in to overseas medical missions now some people that is their calling some people God gifts in just a unique way that all they, I mean, they're missionaries. They live over there, okay? But mine is not just reserved to that. It's not like God has called me as a medical professional and therefore the only place I can administer my gift is in some kind of organized mission trip one year, time out of the year. That is a way that I can use it. That is a way that I feel like God has called me to use it. But the most important thing for us to remember is that these gifts are given to us to use on a daily basis. Every day. In nearly every situation. There's not a place where you're going to enter into tomorrow or this week that God's like, "Mm, well, you know, your gifts just don't fit there. You can't really use them here. Wait a couple of weeks, I'll put you in a spot where they can be used. God said, I created you for these purposes. I ordained you to do good works. I fashioned you the way that I did in all of your diversity and all your uniqueness and all your diversity of giftings. I did it because I need you the way that I made you to use your gifts where I put you for my glory. And he said, that's why I've called you to this. That's why, as we've been saying this from Matthew, we're not in some passive situation. He, didn't, he is not just setting us up like a cup on a shelf and saying, hang out there until I take you down at the end of the world. He said, no, I created you to be an instrument, to be used in this way. And so it's important for us to remember that we have a unity in the spirit, in the giftings that God has given us, in unity in purpose to serve him with those gifts wherever we are. So when you look at 1 Corinthians, this is just something that, Again, it, it's something that as I every time I go, but in particular, you know, as I'm looking at it this time, you know, we we add so many layers of distraction to everything that we do. Even when it's in a even even with a church situation, with a worship situation, with um, with our our quote unquote our religious situation, if you want to make it a bigger kind of, you know, encompassing thing. 
our spiritual lives, our secular lives, our work lives, all these things, we lay so many layers of distraction and complication to them. Okay? We lay ideologies. We section off ourselves in certain branches. We, I mean, this is, you know, in the, in the most basic secular way you could look at it. This is Republican, Democrat, whatever your political ideology is. We, we do a really good job of separating things off, dividing things up, to basically complicate the very simple calling that God has called us to. And in 1 Corinthians, when you're, when you're reading through it, and I encourage you to read the entire book. It's really good. You know, it's got a lot of good stuff in it, as most books of the Bible do. And you know my habit. I don't usually like to just grab out a few verses out of one book. Uh, usually we're going to go through it. So in that mindset, if you can buckle up, we're going to go through the whole chapter. No. Verse 10 of chapter 1. Actually, let's do verse 4. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given to you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by Him. Do we feel that way this morning? That in everything we have and in everything that we do, we are enriched by Christ. Think about what that statement means. All of your work life, all of your family life, all of your spiritual life, all of your religious life, whatever it is that God has called you to do and wherever he has placed you and whatever stuff he has given you to fill those spaces, what Paul is communicating here is he's saying all of that is enriched by Christ. If you think about things that are enriched or what enrichment means, the easiest way that I can think of it is if you ever get a bag of rice or a bag of cereal, you know how it'll say enriched on it? You ever wonder what that is? Simply it means added a bunch of stuff to it to make it perceivably better. Okay. All right, my rice was too bland. My rice didn't have enough nutrients in it. So what do we do? We enriched it. We chocked it full of some more stuff. To make it better for you. Your cereals are enriched. Most of the time they're enriched with iron because they found that everybody had iron deficient anemia. So you know what they did? They shoved it in all of your Cheerios so that you'd eat your Cheerios and get more iron. Because Lord knows we're not going to eat anything healthy like collard greens. Okay? So that's how they got the workaround. Alright? They said, okay, you're not eating enough iodine. You know what we're going to do? We're going to enrich your salt. Because Lord knows we're going to put some salt on some stuff. So let's put some iodine in there, and that way you get iodine, you don't get goiters, okay? So, I mean, that's how we have enriched the food around us to help us in our lives. And what Paul is saying here, Christ is enriching your life. Which means your basic level of whatever can be enriched by Christ. Which means your job can be enriched when you're viewing it and living it out through Christ, your family life can be enriched when you're living it out through Christ. Your mission work can only be enriching if it's doing it through Christ. Anything that you do wherever is enriched when it is in and through Jesus Christ, which means it's more better for us, okay? So he says that in everything you are enriched by him, in all utterance or speaking, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, that you came behind in no gift. Talking to the Corinthian church and their overabundance of giftings, 
that God had given them, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called to the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared to me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the household of Chloe, that you that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you says, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any of you should say that I baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the house of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the, Christ, the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish Foolishness, But to us which are saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, it is a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, it is foolishness. But to them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, it is Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and, uh, and, the, and the base things which... And the base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him, of God, are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made to us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, all enriching qualities, that according as it is written, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord." I read through all this for a purpose. So to kind of close it out with this mind. Okay. What Paul has just communicated to the Corinthian church there is that you have segregated yourselves off to your own philosophical ideologies, left and right wings. Okay. You say, some of them say, I am of Paul, and they follow the Pauline philosophy. Some of them say, well, no, I'm of Apollos' branch. I'm of the Apollonian philosophy. And then some of them say, well, I'm of Cephas or I'm of Peter's philosophy. And that's, that's, that's very common. And that's very understanding because you had these three guys who were powerhouses in the early church. They wrote prolifically. 
Peter was like the Jew of the Jews, you know. He was the guy that went out. He was Peter. He's the one that preached at Pentecost. He's the mighty Petros, okay? Apollos was a firebrand. If you remember, Priscilla and Aquila are the ones that went up to him, talked to him, and, and, and kind of pulled him a little bit deeper into the knowledge and the theology of Christ. But he was out there in full power of the Spirit, preaching and talking. I mean, he was, he was doing it. Apollos was a powerfully, spiritually gifted preacher, okay? And then you had Paul, and good gracious, how much did Paul write of the New Testament? How many letters did Paul write? How interesting and intellectually magnificent was Paul. Unbelievable, far surpassing. So much so that Paul's having to write this letter to the Corinthians and say, guys, I actually backed off of my gifting, okay? I didn't use my full gifting. I could have come to you with wisdom and excellence of words. I could have made great grand theological concepts. I could have Romanized this whole thing. I could have made it into this deep theologically complicated thing, but I didn't. You want to know why? And you want to know why Peter preaches? And you want to know why Apollos preaches? We preach the things that Christ has given us so that Christ can receive the glory. Not us. You have segmented yourselves. You have broken off and you've said, well, I like the way that Paul communicates things. And I think Paul is more right than Peter is in this said situation. And I follow what Paul teaches. Peter's a good guy, but I really adhere to Paul's teachings. The only ones in that situation, in my opinion, who are correct were the ones that say, I follow Christ. I'm of Christ. That's the only division. That's the only name. That is the only denomination you can claim. Okay? It's the only one that's biblical. Following Paul, not biblical. Following Apollos, not biblical. Being the denomination of Cephas, not biblical. In fact, that's why Paul says, guys, I don't know why you're doing this. I didn't tell you to do it. The only things that we have communicated, the only divisions we have allowed, the only unification under a banner that we have allowed is that of Christ. That your life, your existence, your giftings, your everything go back to Christ. In Him, you have been called of God. In Him, you have been enriched. Your life is only enriched by Him. It's not enriched by Paul. It's not enriched by the fact that you were baptized by Cephas. It's only enriched in the fact that you are in and of and through Christ. That's it. No other name, no other name can claim any glory. No other name should be glorified or preached from the stand. No other name should receive any kind of honor and praise. No group, no teacher, no nobody. The only person that needs to be glorified in the church is Jesus Christ alone. And so he says, though, in the preaching of it, notice how simple it is. Notice how simple it is that he says, this is your calling This is your message. It's this simple thing about what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It is the gospel, his life, his ministry, what he lived for, and the things that he embodied. He said, there's people who will go out and say, the Greeks, you need to argue with them and give them good, sound wisdom and logic. And that will satisfy Try to convince those Greeks by being the most logical that you can. With the Jews, the Jews seek a sign. So get out here and show all the amazing, miraculous things that Jesus said and say, see all these signs, this is how Jesus was a Jew, and this is why you as a Jew need to believe him. And when Paul said it's 
We didn't do any of that. Whatever reason, and it's because of God's great wisdom, God said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to preach Jesus Christ, and that's it. To the Jews, it will still remain a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it will still remain foolishness. But those who God called out of the Greeks, out of the Jews, out of the Gentiles, out of whoever, it will be the power of God. It will be the wisdom of God. And then he goes and says, and you all have been called to this life. He says, notice how God continued to work this. The preaching is simple, and there's no grand logic in it in most cases. He said, you can simply just preach Christ and what he did, and that is sufficient. By the work of the Holy Spirit, that's all you need. He said, but also notice another thing that God did. When he called you, notice how he didn't call the greatest philosopher. When he called you, notice how he didn't call the best looking Notice when he called you, he didn't call the most influential. He didn't call the greatest, you know, theologian. He didn't call the grandest, you know, wealthiest person. He called some of the meekest, humblest, mildest, poorest people to show that even in their poverty, God's power is revealed. Their works that they do, even in situations that we in our Western philosophy would look at and go, how in the world can you get anything done without electricity? And I'm telling you, there's a lady in Kesey, Kenya, that sees patients day in and day out with it and making a grand change in their life. How can you do it without the infrastructure that we have in the West? I see it done every day in an area like Kesey, Kenya, and hundreds of thousands of millions of areas around the world that way. You say, well, how could you have this effect? What kind of effect, a long-lasting change are you going to have? Who knows? But what I do know, that the same God that was bringing people to himself in, in these areas, in these times, in these situations, by people who were no greater, better, or really, in many cases, different than ourselves, God is still doing that today. And God has said for each and every one of us who he has called out of whatever situation we are in and gifted us according to the gifts that he saw fit to give us, whatever the situation, whatever the gifting, whatever the humbling, whatever, he called us and he called us for the purpose of continuing to show his power in the world. So a lot of people will say, well, what do I have to give? You know, when they're talking about the mission stuff, they'll say, well, what gifts do I have to give? What, how can I work? What can I do in this situation? Say, you use whatever God has given you. Maybe God has just given you an organizational mindset. Well, guess what? You know how much organization we need on one of these trips? A whole lot, okay? Maybe God has blessed you with a gift of teaching. Well, then go teach. We'll find some things for you to teach. Maybe he's gifted you with the ability to count. We'll stick you behind a pharmacy counter. Maybe he has given you many other gifts and things here that he has called you to use. Go away from here today with the mindset and the idea that God has called me. God has gifted me. I don't understand it. I don't know what all I can do. I don't know how it will work out. But I know that God has called me for the purpose of showing his power and his glory in every single situation of my life. And may God bless us to have that mindset and work in that capacity wherever we are. Because it's true. God has called you. God has blessed you. God has given you gifts. 
Don't let those go to waste. Don't view yourself like you're some kind of useless thing that God can't use because you don't have anything. God has given you everything that he wanted to give you for his purpose. Now he's just saying, go, go use it. Go do it. Go live the life that I have called you to live to show my power in you. So may God bless us to do that.